We both love habits and consistency to a certain extent, but creativity is also important in there to keep it lively and interesting and, and inspiring. Hello, welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicky, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi, Mom. Hello, Ingrid. Let's talk about creativity. All right. Creativity. That's a big word. Can we jump into where we're getting our definition from? Yeah, let's. Let's uh, a, a little bit of introduction. We want to do a lot of episodes on creativity. And so we're inviting you, listener, into our brainstorming session. <laughs> this is a sort of intro episode. We'll give you our ideas on future episodes and just talk in general about creativity, which brings us to our definition. Yes. The definition of creativity that we are using is from John Gleese's book, Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide, where he starts out by saying, I simply mean new ways of thinking about things. So creativity, new ways of thinking about things. Yeah. I liked that. And that kind of sparked our, our interest in this. We are always looking at new ways of thinking about things. I think we come by it naturally because both of us have the strength of learner in our sure. in our Clifton Gallup strengths uh, pocket true. of our top five. So uh, being learners, I can think it helps us come by creativity naturally. But it's been kind of fun to think about all the different places in life where we are creative. That's right. I mean, I think there's sort of classic creativity, which would, I don't know, be like crafting, like mm -hmm. artsy things. Mm -hmm. But what John Cleese's definition immediately brings us to is like, where else are we creative in the world? Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about communication, for instance. Mm -hmm. And in communication, one has to be creative all of the time. <laughs> I think we have we could have a lot to talk about. If we did like a whole episode just on like the creativity of communication, how do you just like if you had like lots of paints and and pencils and papers in front of you, you would look at all those mediums and tools to use and say like which one works best for the goal that I have right now. And I, I think that's absolutely true of the way that we can look at communication as well when one tactic's not working. Why and how do we change that? And I also like that when it comes to creativity. When it comes to communication, because there can be such frustration in not communicating well. And the word creativity has such a positive connotation. Mm -hmm. I think there's an invitation there for sort of delighting and learning a person and learning the way to the way to communicate with them. Yeah. Versus it being like a slog <laughs> to figure out how to communicate. Yes. Yes. So that's one idea. Well, and I, there have been different times in your life where I definitely in the mother daughter relationship, the mom, I as the mom have had to be creative with how I communicate with you. So yeah, creativity. And communication, but it's also fun to think about other kinds of creativity, like like where do we get in ruts in our life where we could use some kind of creativity to get out of that rut or to yeah, try something new? Absolutely, yeah. Things like I don't know, what are some ruts that you get into? Oh, exercise rut, recipe rut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which we've done little episodes. We've done like episode on recipes before way back when. Yeah, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Just like you, I think you've mentioned before, like we both love habits. And consistency to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But 
creativity is also important in there to keep it lively and interesting and and inspiring. Mm -hmm. If probable that it's a little too easy to pit habits against creativity as if they are opposites, Mm -hmm. which is probably less true than we think it is. That'd be a good thing to keep talking about. Mm -hmm. Can you keep being creative without messing up your whole world of consistency? Probably. There would be elements of having to do probably with time and routine that would be consistent where and then and then within that you would you would have a new creative way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been spending a lot of time at the Huntington Gardens recently, which is just down the street from my house. And it's an amazing garden that I have a membership to. And I've gone years without using the membership very much. Uh But I don't know, in the past month, I think I've been six times, which is record for me. Nice. But it's kind of inspiring creativity. And I have this month been hanging out at the Rose Garden because the roses are in season and in bloom. And so it's magnificent. And it's kind of fun even there to think of creative, like what creative names do they come up with the roses and who gets to name the roses? And they're sometimes named after people and sometimes they're named like Sunrise Bliss. (laughs) like like a drink that you would make so that's that's been kind of fun and sometimes you know the creative path that i take on my route around the huntington gardens because it has all these different zones like a desert zone and a japanese zone or a chinese zone or a the rose zone or the herbal garden things like that so right well you bring up a good point in that too is that what i just heard you do was recognize the creativity in someone else in the people that named the is it a horticulturalist is that the right word for plants or gardener <laughs> the gardeners <laughs> that grew these flowers and therefore named them <laughs> you just noticed their creativity too in the fact that sometimes it's named after people and sometimes there are these like you know differently creative names based on what they look like or smell like or taste you know there's real power in celebrating someone else's creativity as well in and in that vein i think it's important to talk about the fact that we each are, I believe, like innately creative and our creativity is not negated by someone else's creativity. Mm. There should be places to celebrate both, you know, like an all boats rising situation. Oh, that reminds me of, of the painful parent memory I have of you when you were little. I don't know I if you remember it. You had a very, very bright little person in your life. I feel like it was in your in second grade and you were drawing something, writing something. And this little person who was artistic and bright uh, criticized <laughs> your drawing and and you were proud of it. You sounded proud of it. But I, I sensed a little bit of obstinance in there. Like, hey, the, the obstinance that comes when you're um, feeling attacked kind of thing. Right. And my little fierce mama spirit was rising up. I was getting angry at this person. Like, who are you? Who do you think you are to criticize her? She's just being creative on her own. And maybe she doesn't color inside the lines like you do. But that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's big. And it it happens as an adult as well. I work in a very creative industry in the like classic create term, you know, like artsy creative sense. Mm -hmm. And 
people get really defensive of their art. Mm. And we talk a lot about the importance of and how how difficult it is to separate yourself from your art, which I think is true for every artist, but it feels especially true when your art is the performance of your own body versus mm-hmm. it being a painting that painting that you can put in a different room. Yeah, kind of like Hiccup in How to Train a Dragon. You just gesture to all of me. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Hiccup. Yeah, I think there's there's probably a lot to talk about in, in the realm of, of what does it look like to celebrate someone else's creativity without it meaning that you have negated your own. It's super hard in your culture because you're in the audition culture, which is the classic cancel culture. Like, we're canceling you. We're saying yes to you. Right. I mean, my position now, like, we are all, all hired. We all, they said yes to all of us. And now they're asking all of our very individualized personalities that they hired for a reason to come into one place and work together to create something. How's that going? Well, generally speaking, it's going pretty well, but it doesn't come totally naturally. Like it takes the goodwill of everyone in the group and you watch everyone work through that and mm. and and take turns having ideas and saying yes to ideas. And um, yes, and is always a big thing in the culture. At the end of the day, sometimes you have to make a decision and who makes that decision. And and then if it's not if it's not your idea, can you can you get on board? With the new decision? I feel like I'd, I don't remember if you told me about Yes and when you were in high school or in college, but that was like one of the techniques of improv. improv. I, think, I think it was high school. High school, yeah. It was the mo- one of the most brilliant, revolutionary, creative responses that I ever heard. And I was like, totally. Huh, I wish that I had learned this when I was in elementary school or high school or, and, or had paid attention to it. <laughs> I, I wasn't in the improv world so no i do think it's like kind of specifically improv which is i agree is like a disservice because as i can talk pretty fluently about what it's like to say yes and in an acting scenario but the truth is that that kind of the yes and of my creativity like joining your creativity is the backbone of every group project i don't care if you work in an engineering's lab, you know, mm-hmm. anytime you're going to work together, there has to be some level of I will offer myself up in vulnerability and I will accept your vulnerability in a way that keeps us vulnerable. That mm-hmm. says yes. And in the moment, even if down the road, we're going to have to keep shifting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a really important part about keeping creativity alive and well in a space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not having the concept of saying yes and is yeah not censoring your ideas not saying no to other people's ideas where people are too often these days it seems like well in the education setting where i live kids censor themselves or they feel censored by other people so fast the other place that that really really comes up is social media oh of course which is not a yes and scenario i mean social media was the one that created the cancel culture name like a year ago and it's not that's not been around very long so segue one of our episodes in this series is going to be an interview actually with my little sister who is i don't know i was going to say is a proud gen zer i don't know how proud she is of it <laughs> but she is definitely a gen zer mm-hmm. and I mean, I think Gen Z is getting like the same amount of odd attention that millennials got a decade ago, which is like, you're different and scary to everyone older than you. And we don't understand you at all, which is <laughs> a little unfair, I think. Like at the end of the day, like they're people, they're just people and they just happen to have been born into a slightly different world. But my sister is super creative 
And so I'm, I'm really interested to talk to her about her take on creativity, on her take on the way that that is influenced before and after by the social media world. I know that like, she's learned a lot and gained a lot of tools in her creativity from YouTube and Instagram, and then she is able to share them out. I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm excited to hear her perspective. Yeah, me too. We're also going to talk about creativity with young kids because we were all young once. <laughs> yeah. And our perspective on creativity of young kids, I, I mean, the creativity of young kids is, is a remarkably shaped, I would say, by their parents and That's their right. parents' comfortability with mess, their care- yeah. parents' comfortability with neatness, yeah. uh, their resources, where they create kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say we could talk about the creativity of parenting, which I think is the same, like the other side of the same coin, right? You'll talk about the parent, like your creativity and the way that you've communicated with me over the years, which is an aspect of parenting. And then the other aspect of parenting is how you were creative in the way that you parented. And where I think we could also talk about like where there might be like pressures to be extra creative in a really, really taxing lifestyle that is parenting. I have a friend who I who I lived with for a while in New York who is a mom and she and I talked about the creativity of her the lunches she would pack her kids. <laughs> She's packing you know lunches every day for her 5-year-old and 7-year-old and she asked me once what I ate for lunch and I was like, "Oh, well, every single day I had chocolate almonds and chocolate chips for snack and every single day I had bell peppers for for vegetables and then I remember like some kind of sandwich I guess either turkey or PB&J probably I don't remember if there was other things we did but like those two things were consistent and she had like immediate relief <laughs> because she shared that she had been feeling like pressured by I don't know social media blogs just her own brain to like deliver creative and interesting meals because she didn't like to eat the same thing every day and why would her kids want to eat the same thing every day and so just like in that moment she seemed to like sort of be relieved by this like permission that i was giving her based on my own experience that like consistency is okay Mm -hmm. she didn't have to be like calling the internet for how else to make a kid's lunch like you can just make kids lunch you know Hmm. so i I think that there's like both sides in the in that kind of parenting realm, the pressures that you feel about it and then the places where you do get to be creative in the activities that you yeah, do with your kids. It's a double-edged sword, the the whole Pinterest world. Right. That I have proclaimed with pride before. I came up with this backyard decoration without Pinterest. Way before. That's right. <laughs> because I could feel creative and then I'll look on Pinterest and I'd be like, oh, well, um, and I guess I don't have a creative bone in my body. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, oh, it's so true. Well, that is, yeah, there is something. And there's there's nothing new under the sun. There's something to that. There's only, you know, so many ways to walk across the yard, I guess. Or <laughs> OK, but that is a good point, because who said that because it wasn't your idea and new, it also wasn't creative? Yeah, I don't know. Like that's a, that's a sort of interesting thing to try to demystify, because I do think that we talk a lot about creativity in the sense of like creating something out of nothing or being the first one to do it. But I, that can't be true. Again, like there's if there's nothing new under the sun, we have to be able to celebrate you making a cake, even though I've also made a cake. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. So creativity, hopefully it's, it's, it is a positive thing for people and all, all ages. It's been, it's been fun to see where my mom and dad are creative, especially oh, during true. the pandemic, Absolutely. you know, like what kind of creative things they do and uh, in their a- aging years. 
as they uh-huh. are able to move around less less right. easily. Yeah, that that's a great point. I mean, creativity in different across generations and and in through different lifestyles and age gaps. Mm-hmm. I think this is really helpful because what, what we're sort of coming to is like odd blocks in our understanding of creativity or in our permission to allow ourselves to be creative, whether or not that's I'm not the first one to do it or someone's idea is better than mine or I feel squashed or I'm not artistic. And then asking the questions like, where do where does creativity lie in a non-crafty sense? Mm-hmm. Those are plenty of things to, to look at and, and think about. Mm-hmm. All of this began with that very, very first line of John Cleese's book. Creativity is... What is it? I simply mean new ways to think about things. So in addition to these other episodes that we are going to do, including our interview with Audrey, we are going to do a a, a sort of book review, book discussion of John Cleese's creativity. Yeah. So if you're interested, it's super easy. It's like large font, bolded lines. A hundred pages. Uh, as he says, a short and cheerful guide. Yes. Truly, though, if you're interested, follow along, read with us, and then you'll be able to like super engage in our in our discussion about it. I think it'll have some really interesting perspectives, if not answers for us on some of these questions. Yeah, my favorite thing is bolded sentences. I so know. if you really want the Cliff Notes version, you can pretty you much just flip, flip through. through the pages and find things that are bolded out. It's almost like the creative's guide ADHD version. Oh, <laughs> when you have right. attention deficit disorder and you need really short, quick things because you get distracted easily, which is one of the worlds I live in. So that's fine. Well, I, you know, I think that actually isn't like even another side of creativity we can mention, which is the fact that I, I think that sometimes, at least from my own perspective as as a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> is to say like it's not creative again, like if it wasn't my idea or if it isn't like a finished product product or a, a large, like a big colossal thing to, to deliver into the world. I don't know. I think that there's like other expectations I put on myself for when something is creative or not based on how pretty I think it is or how polished I think it is. Mm. So I'm extra happy for, for like a short bolded word, big font book on creativity, <laughs> which sort of like goes in the face of all things academic or peer reviewed or you know, like I believe in this book and I and I'm like going to trust in this book even w- before having read it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have like all those kind of telltale signs of like a scientist and his research doing a thing, you know, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I think I think that was like it's proving its own point that creativity can be simple and it doesn't make it less effective. The end, the back of the book, the back jacket says, there's a myth that creativity is something you have to be born with. This isn't the case. Anyone can be creative. So... Our next several episodes are uh, in support of anyone being creative and looking at creativity in from different lenses in different ages of life, different seasons of life. Well, I'm excited to create these episodes with (laughs) (laughs) so funny. Very nice. I look forward to it, Mom. Me too. Enjoy the reading the book. We'll put the book title and in in the show notes. Great. Can't wait. Talk to you next week. Have a good week, Ingrid. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. 
You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. 